Welcome to another week in hell. <laughs> well, this this episode's going to be a bummer. Yeah, so why are you welling me? I mean, <laughs> it's not in hell, but it, it's going to be a bummer. If you're not a fan of the uh, Sylvia Likens episode, this is not going to be better. This is not the episode for you. Great. I like how you didn't tell me that because I was not a fan of the Sylvia Likens episode. It's all right. We're going to power through it. Yeah, speak um, for yourself. It's a case that we've brought up before, so that's why I figured we should just do the case itself. So remember back in our episode about um, like controversies that were happening in the true crime uh, pop culture sphere? And then we talked about the movie, um, oh, fuck, now I forget what it's called. Extremely loud and incredibly close and extremely vile. <laughs> no, not not another Bundy movie. Um, I, I, I want to say Deliverance, but I, <laughs> it's definitely... Uh, okay, well. Defi- detainment, that's what it is. Not Deliverance, it's Detainment. <laughs> another D word. Yes. Uh, so this is the case, if you haven't read the title, about the murder of James Bulger. So it's a trigger warning because it's about... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about child abuse. James Bolger was two when he was murdered, so not a fun case. No, not at yeah. all. Um, but the trial and everything that happens afterwards is wild, so stick around for that. But if you want to skip the actual details of the crime, then you can skip ahead. But, <sighs> all right, let's jump in it. So... Okay. On, the, on the morning of February, uh, Friday, February 12th, 1993, CCTV footage from the New Strand Shopping Center in Boodle, I think is what it is. It's in the UK. Um, I don't know where it is, but I want to live there. <laughs> Boodle. B-O-O-T-L-E. Boodle. That sounds um, like Boodle. Yeah, right? That sounds like Boodle. Oh, I love that. So the CCTV footage from the shopping center shows... 10-year-olds Robert Thompson and John Venables hanging around. They were playing hooky from school, and um, later, cops will say that they were looking for their target. One of the boys uh, later revealed that they were, like, they had gone there planning to abduct a child, and that they were going to push him into oncoming traffic. That was was the goal. It gets worse. healthy. Yeah. So... Throughout the, do- throughout the day, the boys can be seen stealing various items such as candy, uh, a troll doll, batteries, and a can of blue paint, and these things will come into play later on. Around 3.40 p.m., while walking out of A.R. Tim's butcher shop, Denise Bolger noticed that her two-year-old son James wasn't in her sight. Thompson and Venables oh. had approached James, took him by the hand, and led him out of the mall, which leads to one of the creepiest CCTV images ever recorded. If you look up this case, this image will pop up immediately. And the image is timestamped at 3.42. So in two minutes, she didn't have her eyes on James, and he was led away. Um, which is horrifying for any like parent to yeah. think. Like, you take your eyes off your child for even a second, and something like this could happen. Mm. Um. 
The boys walked James about a quarter of a mile away from the shopping center to the Leeds and Liverpool Canal. On the way, the group was seen by 38 people, but no one intervened. Two people had asked the older boys what they were doing, um, but when they saw, but when they said that James was their brother or that he was lost and they were taking him to the police station, they didn't push any further. At one point, they took James into a pet shop, but they were sent out by the owner. One eyewitness said that during the trial, she saw James at the canal, quote, crying his eyes out, end quote. Thompson and Venables had dropped him on his head and he had suffered injuries. So, <sighs> yeah, 38 people and a shop owner and somebody that said that they saw him crying his eyes out. All these people saw them, but didn't do anything. Which, if I saw two 10-year-old boys leading a crying child away from something, I would have been like, hmm, this is cause for suspicion. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I, I just, I can't understand. Like, you're supposed to be an adult, and yeah, it's weird, and yeah, like, you don't want to be seen as, like, creepy or anything, but it's not like this child is with a parent sobbing and crying. Yeah. And uh, Denise noticed almost immediately that her son was not with her. So she presumably told the police or something or mall security or whatever. So word must have gotten out pretty quickly that James was missing and people should have been looking for him. And yet they were able to get a quarter of a mile away at this point. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's... I I just I don't understand how this nobody said anything and they said that they used one of the excuses that they used when they were stopped and asked by an adult like what they were doing was that James was lost and they were taking him to the police station wouldn't you as an adult be like okay let me take over here yeah <laughs> instead how, no. how old are these kids again 10 yeah absolutely not yeah. Because they need to be taken to the police station, too. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, they're, they're children themselves. Yeah. No. Um, so, eventually, the boys arrived at the village of Walton. They were across the street from the Walton Lane police, so instead of going straight, they led James up a steep bank to the railway line near the disused Walton and Ainsfield station, close to the Ainsfield Cemetery. So... They were culpable enough to know that they can't walk by, they can't take this kid by a police station. Like, they had nefarious plans that they knew that if they walked by a police station, like, they could be caught. So, right. anyone saying that they are not responsible for their actions, that right there should say something about that. Yeah, they obviously knew what they were doing was wrong. Yeah, they know the difference between right and wrong at this point. Yeah. So, now I'm going to get into what actually happened to James, and this is where the real trigger warning comes in, because uh, it is horrible. And you got to remember, he's a two-year-old boy, and the people doing this to him are ten-year-old boys. So, these yeah. are children attacking children, much like say, the Sylvia yeah. Likens episode. Much like fucking, what is that book? Um, everybody's screaming it at me right now with Piggy. And they use the conch. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Lord and of the Flies. Fucking Lord of the Flies. Yes, that's it. My brain was saying Animal Farm, and I was like, no, because I read those at the same time. Because but even, high school. Even Lord of the Flies, like, 
they were doing it for a purpose. Like these two boys just saw this kid and were like, okay, let's take him. Like there's no yeah, reason they weren't told by Slenderman that they had to sacrifice somebody. They weren't like uh like being told by an adult like uh a kidnapper like being used to take this kid away. Like no, yeah. they were doing this on their own. These two boys decided to do this and that was that. I know that you're gonna probably talk about this later, but I do have to ask did their parents have any, like, inklings that their kids were utter psychos? Or was this news to them? You know what? I didn't find too much information about the parents besides kind of what happens after um, the boys are brought into custody, which is kind of okay. horrible what happens. But um, I'll get to that. Yeah. So first, I'm going to talk about what oh, actually can't happened. can't wait. So skip ahead, like, five minutes if you don't want to hear this. Um, I would love to, but I can't. <laughs> no, you're stuck here. So... One of the boys threw the blue paint that they had stolen into James's left eye. They kicked him, they <sighs> stamped on him, and they threw bricks and stones at him. Ugh. They put batteries into his mouth, and according to police, from some of the articles that I saw, some of the batteries may have been inserted into his anus, but that is not in the final <gasps> report. So that was allegedly, according to some sources that I found, not a definite. Um, finally, the boys dropped a 22-pound iron bar, which is described in court as a fish plate, and it's that <sighs> large metal piece that joins two pieces of the railway together. And they dropped that onto James's head, um, and it resulted in 10 skull fractures. He suffered oh, wow. 42 injuries in total, and the case pathologist, Alan Williams, said that he could not determine what was the fatal blow because he was so gravely injured from all of these injuries. Um, Thompson and Venables laid James's body across the railway tracks and weighed his body down with rocks, hoping that he would be hit by a train and it would look like an accident. After the boys left, James's body was cut in half by a train. Um, it was determined by the forensic pathologist that James had died before the train hit him. And his body was found two days later on February 14th, 1993. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fucking horrible. Yeah. <clears throat> it didn't say uh, in any of the records that I was looking at how long they think this attack happened. Like, it could have been minutes. It could have been a half hour. Like, nobody knows how long he was basically being tortured by these two boys. I would hope that it was quick, but nobody knows. So, police suspected that there was a sexual element to the crime, since James was found without shoes, socks, pants, or underwear. Ugh. The pathologist's report also said that James is... Uh, okay, this is, this is bad. Um, the pathologist's report said that James's foreskin was forcibly retracted. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, when detectives and child psychologist Eileen Vizard questioned the boys about this aspect of the, the attack... They were very reluctant to give details. Um, at his eventual parole, Venable's psychiatrist Susan Bailey reported, quote, um, that visiting and revisiting the issue with John as a child and now as an, ad as an adolescent, he gives no account of any sexual element to the offense, end quote. So I'm going to get into John Venables and uh, Robert Thompson a little bit more later about kind of what happens to them after this whole thing. Okay. and. 
something like this is going to come up. <laughs> um, so the police quickly found the low-res CCTV images of James being led away by two unidentified boys at the shopping center. The story was really big news, and the embankment where James's body was found was covered with hundreds of flowers from the shock community and beyond. Like, nobody could imagine something so horrible like this happening. Um, the family of one of the boys who was brought in for questioning but was then released had to flee the city due to threats by vigilantes. So they, this boy was questioned and then released. Like, he had no connection to the crime, but people still believed that he could be. So his family literally had to flee the city. Wow. Yeah, that's how that's... intensely people felt about this case. Um, a breakthrough came in the case when a woman saw a slightly enhanced image of the CCTV footage and recognized Venables. She knew that him and Thompson were playing hooky that day, so she contacted the police and the two boys were arrested. Which, if you see the CCTV footage or the image itself... It's literally blobs. Like, ah, the fact that we have, like, backup cameras in cars that are better than some of the CCTV footage that we have is astounding. But, um, yeah, the fact that she could identify anybody, even if it is enhanced, is crazy. So, yeah. good on that person. And that um, she would willingly say that. Like, because it's not like... I, I, I can't help but wonder if she felt anything like, oh, I mean, it's not my kid. I'm doing this to this family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, all the love is for James Bulger. It's yeah. not for the boys that did this. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The fact that she was like, yeah, no, fuck these kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's, <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't like the initial inner monologue. But like after we find out what happens <laughs> and everything. Yes. A hundred percent. Fuck these kids. So. The fact that the suspects were so young came as a shock to investigating officers headed by Detective Superintendent Albert Kirby of Merseyside Police, um, mainly because the early press reports and police statements had referred to Bulger being seen with, uh, quote, two youths, suggesting that they were um, teenagers at least. And it was hard to tell through the CCTV footage what the actual ages of the boys were. You can only see, like, kind of the height difference, but even then, like, it's perspective. So, like, it, it's, it was a huge shock to everybody that these boys are 10 years old. Um, the forensic test confirmed that the boys had, been, had the same blue paint on their clothing that was found on Bulger's body. Both had blood on their shoes. The blood on Thompson's shoe was matched to Bulger's through DNA tests. There was a pattern of bruising on Bulger's right cheek that matched the features of the upper part of the shoe worn by Thompson, and a paint mark on the toe cap of Venable's shoe indicated that he must have used, quote, some force when he kicked Bulger. Uh, Thompson said to have, uh, he is said to have asked the police whether the two-year-old had been taken to the hospital to, quote, get him alive again, end quote. Oh. Yeah, so... I, that would show like a little bit of not understanding of yeah. the severity of what they had done. Kind of like um, when we talked about the interviews with the two girls from the um, the Slenderman case. Yeah, when they were being interviewed, they were like, "How is Bella doing? Like, is is Bella dead?" And then yeah. the the officer says no, and then the one girl like shoots up, like. 
assume that they had killed her. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) kids being interviewed is wild, which we'll get to a little later when we talk about the pop culture stuff. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. So the boys were each charged with the murder of James Bulger on February 20th, 1993, and they appeared at the South Shefton Youth Court on February 22nd, 1993. Um, That's where they were remanded um, and waited in custody to await the trial. Um, In the aftermath of their arrest and throughout the media accounts of their trial, the boys were referred to as Child A, which was Thompson, and Child B, which was Venables. Uh, Awaiting the trial, they were held at secure units where they would eventually be sentenced to be detained indefinitely. Up to 500 protesters gathered at the South Shefton Magistrates Court during the boys' initial court appearances. The boys weren't the only hot topics, though. Um, Like I said, we'd get to. Their parents were moved to different parts of the country and assumed new identities following death threats from vigilantes. So if, if a suspect if the parents of a suspected child had to flee the city, these people had to literally like move to different parts of the country and have yeah. their names changed, which is wild. Um, the full trial opened at Preston Crown Court on November 1st, 1993, conducted as an adult trial with the accused in the dock away from their parents and the judge and court uh, officials in legal regalia. So this whole thing was treated like an adult murder trial. Just because these boys were 10 years old doesn't mean the severity of their attacks weren't so, like, to the magnitude of something that they could just be like, oh, boys will be boys. No, they had to bring these boys in and say, like, this is, like, psychotic behavior. And yeah. they wanted, like, real justice. What if these boys reoffend? You can't just say because they're under a certain age, you can let them off with it. So <clears throat> the boys denied the charges of murder, abduction, and attempted abduction. They uh, attempted to abduct a, uh, The attempted abduction charge was related to an incident at the New Strand Shopping Center earlier that day on February 12, 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, Thompson and Venables had attempted to lead away another two-year-old boy. What? But had been, yeah. They had been prevented by the boy's mother. So that's another thing. This other boy's mother didn't like go to the um, like the mall police or whatever and say, hey, these two boys literally tried to abduct my child. Like, yeah, get them taken away. Where are their parents? Like, because (laughs) I wonder if you even think that a child that young is capable of doing that. Oh, they were just trying to lead my kid away to play. Like, you don't think, oh, they're going to fucking murder my son. Yeah. Like, you don't look at any random... Like, let me tell you something. Like, kids can be little shits. Don't get me wrong. Oh, believe me. I've babysat enough kids to know that. Yes. Yes. Um, Even the kids in my neighborhood. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm old because these kids are little fuckers. <laughs> but, I, it's like, come on. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you just... If you're the parent of a 10-year-old boy, you have to admit that they suck a little bit. Yes. Nobody's perfect. I've met some lovely children. Except for me. But no, like, no child of that age is, like, an angel. (laughs) No. No, nobody is ever, especially, like, once you hit double digits, it's just downhill. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Boys from 8 to 
22 now. are the worst. Um, Eight on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it just blows my mind. Like, did they just, like, I want more details of this part. Did they just approach this two-year-old boy and, like, try to lead him away? And the mother was like, uh-uh, and then, like, grabbed him and then, like, walked away? Or were they close to getting away with this and then the mother just decided not to like raise the alarm to anybody else like that is crazy to me i again i think that either way she was just like you're not suspecting yeah. them to be that terrible that they would kill like oh they're trying to lead him away to like for example this actually reminds me there was a kid um who his family bought our old house uh-huh. and we ran into them in staples once when my sister was very very little she was maybe two years old and he was like my age so he was like six or seven okay and he convinced her that it would be really fun to play hide and seek in the staples in that they would hide from all of the other adults yep and the goal was not to respond no matter how loud people got yeah i used to play that myself with my mom she she would uh hate going shopping with me because i would hide in like the middle of like you know how they had like the round um clothing racks i would go in the middle of them and hide. yeah they'd spin and my mom would Um, have like a fucking heart attack (laughs) my friend's sister did that at disneyland except they had her on one of those backpack leashes and she tied the leash to the middle of the rolling rack but um and then ran off but no but this kid my parents are screaming bloody murder his parents are screaming bloody murder we lo- they locked down the staples everybody is like customers and employees are looking for the two of them mm-hmm. and they were found under a desk and this kid is laughing maniacally if i still saw him today i'd probably kill him but um he he thought it was the funniest thing in the world but you don't think that he's gonna do that you don't think that like a kid is going to just like like you you assume that they're gonna take them off to play a joke or take them off to like play play not to i don't know murder the shit out of yeah. them like you can't children can be terrible in many ways but you can't think that they're capable of that like yeah, i mean exactly especially like now we can think that because this case has happened like yes there are people there are children who are capable of this and we'll talk about even more cases with young children that are capable of doing terrible things but like this was kind of opening the floodgates to people learning about this because this turned into such a huge case because of the age of the victim because of the age of the perpetrators like it was big news even today it's huge news um but i think what fascinates me most about just this one piece of the case of the attempted abduction is because like i knew about this case for a while um but i like i knew what happened to james bulger and i knew thompson and venables at were 10 years old and and all the um details like that but this is like the one detail that i didn't know until actually researching this episode that there was another attempted abduction so i think that's why this like one piece was like stuck in my head like i want to know more about this detail because it seems like a big deal (laughs) yeah and it seems like the one thing that you can say like 
they were aware of their actions because they didn't just do it once and like coincidentally get away with it no they tried this another time like they tried this multiple times and they were at the shopping center like staking out who they were going to take away what little shit it's nuts yeah it's crazy um so anyway getting back to the trial yes uh each boy sat in view of the court on raised chairs so they could see out of the dock which was designed for adults so they basically were sitting on like bumper seats which is wild um and they were accompanied by two social workers and although they were separated from their parents they were within touching distance of their families um that were attending the trial news stories Mm -hmm. reported the demeanor of the defendants at the trial the lead prosecutor uh, the lead prosecution counsel, Richard Henriquez, um, successfully rebuted the principle of, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but it's Dolly Incapax, and it's um, the presumption that young children cannot be held legally responsible for their actions, which I think this case just blows out of the water because yeah, they can be <laughs> held responsible. Yes. They should be held responsible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thompson and Venables were considered by the court to be capable of, quote, mischievous discretion, end quote, meaning uh, an ability to act with criminal intent as they were mature enough to understand that that what they were doing was seriously wrong. A child psychiatrist who I mentioned before, Eileen Vizard, who interviewed Thompson before the trial, was asked in the court whether he would know the difference between right and wrong, that it was wrong to take a young child away from his mother and that it was wrong to cause injury to a child. Vizard replied, mm-hmm. quote, if the issue is on the balance of probabilities, I can think I think I can answer with certainty, end quote. Mm-hmm. Vizard also said that Thompson was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder after the attack on Bulger. Susan Bailey, the home office forensic psycho- psychiatrist who interviewed Venables, said unequivocally that he knew the difference between right and wrong. Thompson and Venables did not speak during their trial, and the case against them was based on large extent on the more than 20 hours of tape-recorded police interviews with the boys, which were played back in court. Thompson was considered to have taken the leading role in the abduction, though it was Venables who had apparently initiated the idea of taking Bulger to the railway line. Venables later described how Bulger seemed to like him, holding his hand and allowing him to pick him up on the meandering journey to the scene of the murder. Lawrence Lee, who was the solicitor of Venables during the trial, later said that Thompson was one of the most frightening children he had ever seen and compared him to the Pied Piper. Oh, wow. Yeah. After his appearances in court, Venables would strip off his clothes saying, quote, I can smell James like a baby smell, end quote. What? Yeah, he's unhinged. Yeah. It gets worse for him, but we'll get to that. Oh, great. The prosecution admitted to a number of exhibits during the trial, including a box of 27 bricks, a a blood-stained stone, Bulger's underpants, and the rusty iron bar described as the railway fish plate um, that was used to crush his skull, basically. Right. Um, The pathologist spent 33 minutes outlining the injuries sustained by Bulger. Many of those... Uh, to his legs had been inflicted later after he was stripped from the waist down. Brain damage was extensive and included a hemorrhage. 
The boys, by then age 11, were found guilty of Bulger's murder at the Preston Court on November 24th, 1993. Coincidentally, November 24th is Ted Bundy's birthday. But oh. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> and the two became the youngest convicted murderers of the 20th century. The judge, Jesus. Mr. Justice Moreland, told Thompson and Venables that they had committed a crime of, quote, unparalleled evil and bar- barbarity. In my judgment, your conduct was both cunning and very wicked, end quote. So kind of some of the similar wordings that we've heard described, like as Bundy, which is horrible yeah. because he's an actual serial killer and these boys are 11 years old. Well, but, they <laughs> so are, but they are also would-be serial killers. I mean, it's not like this was a one-and-done deal. They tried again. Yeah, I mean, they, they tried the abduction, and who would have known if at, if they had gotten away with killing Bulger if maybe they, they would have, done, have it again. done it again? Yeah. I think they would have. I mean, they they thought that they, even if they hadn't, they thought they had gotten away with just abducting him. Yeah. And they tried again. Yeah, I think Venables for sure would have done it again, because I'll get to yeah. kind of his... Uh, craziness that happens after, but it seems that Thompson kind of cooled a little bit um, after everything went down. So, Moreland sentenced them to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure with a recommendation that they should be kept in custody for, quote, a very, very many years to come, end quote, um, recommending a minimum term of eight years. At the close of the trial, the judge lifted reporting restrictions and allowed the names of the killers to be released, saying, quote, I did this because the public interest overrode the interests of the defendants. There was a need for an informed public debate on crimes committed by young children, end quote. After the trial, there was some back and forth on the recommended minimum sentence for the boys. There's huge information about this, like paragraph long information about this. If you want to look at like the Wikipedia article on this case and others, but right now I'm kind of spark noting it. So some felt that eight years Uh, like they mentioned at the trial, was too short. So the editors of the Sun newspaper handed a petition with nearly 280,000 signatures to home security uh, Michael Howard in a bid to increase the time spent by both boys in custody. The campaign was successful, and in July of 1994, Howard announced that the boys would be kept in custody for a minimum of 15 years, meaning that they would not be considered for, for release until February 2008, by which time they would be 25 years old. Wow. However, yeah, which is crazy because they were 10 when it happened, 11 when convicted. They wouldn't even be considered for release until 25. However, Howard's intervention was criticized and the increased minimum term was overturned in 1997 by the House of Lords. So they wouldn't be kept until they were 25. Hmm. In the months after the trial and following the birth of their second son, The marriage of Bulger's parents, Ralph and Denise, broke down, and they divorced in 1995. Denise married Stuart Fergus, and they have two sons together. Ralph also remarried, and he has three daughters by his second wife. The Observer revealed that both Venables and Thompson had passed A-levels during their sentences. The paper Mm -hmm. also told how the Bulger family lawyer had consulted psychiatric experts in order to present the parole panel with a report which suggested that Thompson is an undiagnosed psychopath, citing his lack of remorse during the trial and arrest. The report was ultimately dismissed. However, 
His lack of remorse at the time, in stark contrast to Venables, led to considerable scrutiny from the parole board. Upon release, both Thompson and Venables had lost all trace of their Liverpool accents, which is interesting. Um, in a psychiatric report prepared in 2000 before Venables released, he was described as posing a trivial risk to the public, unlikely to reoffend. The chances of his successful rehabilitation were described as very high. Upon release, both boys were given new identities, and there have been a number of conflicts throughout the years with people claiming to reveal who they are today. I'll get to some of those in a little bit. So, now I'm going to talk about what happened to Venables, uh, John Venables, after he was released. And it just, it keeps getting weirder. So, Mm -hmm. shortly before his release in 2001, he was 17 years old. Venables was alleged to have had sex with a woman who worked at the Red Bank security unit where he was being held. After the uh? detail, <laughs> yeah. After the details of the allegations were outlined in a Sunday Times Magazine article, the female staff member was accused of sexual misconduct and suspended, and she never returned to work at the Red Bank. A spokeswoman for St. Helens Borough Council denied that the incident Uh, had been covered up, saying, quote, all allegations were thoroughly investigated by an independent team on the orders of the home office and chaired by Arthur D. Frisglin, a retired prison governor, end quote. Venables began living independently in March 2002. Sometime thereafter, he began a relationship with a woman who had a five-year-old child. It's not known whether Venables had already begun downloading child pornography at the time of dating this woman. Oh, Jesus. Though he denies ever having met the child. Okay, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. In 2005, when Venables was 23, his probation officer met another girlfriend of his who was 17. After a number of, quote, young girlfriends, it was presumed that Venables was having a delayed adolescence. After a period of apparently reduced supervision, Venables began excessively drinking, taking drugs, downloading child pornography, as well as visiting Merseyside, uh, which was a a breach of his probation. Um, Mm -hmm. In 2008, a new probation officer noted that he spent, quote, a great deal of leisure time playing video games and on the internet. Wow. In September of that year. Yeah. Um, but the, the delayed adolescence thing I can understand because he basically spent his whole adolescence in like a prison rehab facility. So I'm not saying that excuses any of this behavior. Oh, right. No, no. But it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so in September of that year, Venables was arrested following a fight outside a nightclub. He claimed that he was acting in self-defense and the charges were later dropped after he agreed to go on an alcohol awareness course. Three months later, he was found to be in possession of cocaine, and he was subjected Ah. to a curfew. (laughs) Well, what a surprise. On two separate occasions, Venables revealed his true identity to a friend. So they gave him a new identity, and he was like, nah, fuck it. That's healthy. It it gets worse. Oh, great. On March it's, been, 2nd, it's been smooth sailing so far, so honestly... Yeah, nothing that's but fine. rave reviews for this kid. Yeah! On March 2nd, 2010, the Ministry of Justice revealed that John Venables had been returned to the prison for an unspecified violation. 
uh, of the terms of his license of release. The Justice Secretary Jack Straw stated that Venables had been returned to prison because of, quote, extremely serious allegations, end quote, and stated that he was, quote, unable to give further details of the reasons for John Venables' return to custody because it was not in the public interest to do so, end quote. Okay. On March 7th, Venables was returned to prison, um, accused of child pornography offenses. Bulger's mother, Denise Fergus, said that she was angry that the parole board did not tell her that Venables had been returned to prison and called for his anonymity to be removed if he was charged with a crime. You go, girl. Yeah. A spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice stated that there is a worldwide injunction against the publication of either killer's location or new identity. On June 21st, 2010, Venables was charged with possession and distribution of indecent images of children. It was alleged that he had downloaded 57 indecent images of children over a 12-month period to February 2010 and allowed other people to access files through a peer-to-peer network. Venables faced two charges under the Protection of Children Act 1978. On, sorry, on July 23rd, 2010, Venables appeared in court at the Old Bailey uh, via a video link visible only to the judge hearing the case. He pleaded guilty to the charges of downloading and distributing child pornography and was given a sentence of two years imprisonment. So this is kind of how they got away with not revealing his new identity is that he basically Skyped into court and only the judge could see him so that nobody could kind of like see what he looked like when he grew up so that his anonymity would still be in place. Oh, that's yeah. a little too clever. Uh, Well, because of all of the shit that went down and how big the James Bulger case was obviously like people want to kill him. <laughs> so yeah. if they knew he was going to be in court at a certain time at a certain place, like you don't think somebody would be there trying to kill him. I guess, so. I guess I'm less concerned about that and more like, you know what? Yeah. You fucked up. So let everybody know your name. Everybody know what you look like. Yeah. I guess. No anonymity. Everybody like, knows James Bulger and what he looked like and how fucked up he was. Not how fucked up he was, but, like, how much they fucked him up. Yeah. Um, and all of that shit. Like, yeah, like no, I can understand. You. I can understand giving them a new identity and, like, a new location when they first get out of the prison rehab, whatever they were in, because you got to give them a second chance. Like, why, why put them in a rehab facility if they're not going to be rehabilitated. Like you got to give him a second chance at life, but he fucked up. So take all that shit away. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. Give a kid a second chance at life, but that is more for kids who, for example, don't reoffend. Well, don't reoffend, but also even if they do reoffend, like for kids who steal, for kids who sell drugs, for kids who, you know, don't, murder someone in cold blood a child like there are certain things where like yes we can be more lenient this is murder is not one of those things yeah (gasps) like that's that's kind of like a you passed go there's no turning back yeah well it's not like he did it by accident i'm gonna get into more of some of the shit that he did oh yay 
So at this court hearing, it emerged that Venables had posed in online chat rooms as a 35-year-old Dawn or Dawny Smith, um, a married mm-hmm. woman from Liverpool who boasted about abusing her eight-year-old daughter in the hope of I- obtaining further child pornography. Venables had contacted his probation officer in February 2010, fearing that his new identity had been compromised at his place of work. When the officer arrived at his flat, Venables was attempting to remove or destroy the hard drive of his computer with a knife and a can opener. Oh. Yeah. The officer's suspicions were aroused, as they fucking should be, and the computer was taken away for examination, leading to the discovery of the child pornography, which included children as young as two um <sighs> being raped by adults and penetrative rape of seven or eight year olds. Oh my god. Uh, uh no. Yeah. The fact that shit like this exists in Fuck the world that. makes me want to end it. <laughs> That's yeah. fucking literally horrifying. like maybe global warming isn't so bad if we just destroy the fucking planet and everybody on it. Like Jesus, that's let's so re- Let's press restart on this whole existence. I want to do a reset. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the judge, Mr. Justice Bean, um ruled that Venable's new identity could not be revealed, but the media was allowed to report that he was living in Cheshire at the time of his arrest. Venable's was eligible for parole in July of 2011. On June 27th, 2011, the parole board decided that Venable's would remain in custody and that his parole would not be considered again for at least another year. On May 4th, 2011, it was reported that Venable's would once again be given a new identity following what was described as a quote serious security breach which revealed his identity that had that he had been using before his imprisonment in 2010 details of the breach could not be reported on for legal reasons uh on september 3rd 2013 it was reported that venables had been released from prison on yeah, november that makes t- sense yeah <laughs> on november 23rd 2017 it was reported that venables had again been recalled to prison for possession of child abuse imagery the Ministry of Justice declined to comment on the reports. On January 5th, 2018, Venables was charged with unspecified offenses relating to indecent images of children. On February 7th, 2018, Venables pleaded guilty to the possession of indecent images of children for a second time. He pleaded guilty via video link to three charges of making indecent images of children and one of possessing a pedophile manual. He admitted to being in possession of, get ready for this, mm. 392 Category A. Nope. I don't know what the categories are. Too many, though. 148 Category B and 630 Category C child pornography images and was only sentenced to three years and four months in prison. Yeah, I got a question. Why? Why the fuck? Why? Why? This He murdered a child in 1993 and this is the second time he's pleading guilty for child pornography in 2018. That's let's, let's put this guy away forever. How about that? Honestly, like, let's put him, I think, put him away forever. But beyond that, in like a box with no yeah. windows and no container. human interaction, like meals shoved under the door and a bucket to piss in. Does like, it sound that like is this guy's going to get better? No. No! So, how about we give up he on this one, guys? every opportunity! He's not better! Yeah, so... <laughs> in late June 2019, it was reported that British officials had considered resettling Venables in either Canada, Australia, or New Zealand 
due to the high cost being protected um, behind protecting his anonymity. And British authorities had reportedly spent uh, 65,000 pounds in legal fees to keep Venable's identity a secret. In response to the media coverage, badass New Zealand Prime Minister Jakeda Arden remarked <gasps> that uh. Venables would need, would need an exemption under the Immigration Act and that he should, quote, not bother applying, end quote. <laughs> Love it. So New Zealand was like, get this fucking guy out of here. We don't want him. Yeah. And there was a couple other um, instances where, like, he revealed to people who he actually was. And, um, like, people uh, actually have gone to jail because they posted images online claiming, like, this is who he is. This is what he looks like. This is where he's living. Like, you can go to I jail mean, for posting details about these guys. It's pretty crazy. I'm not super mad at it. I know I it's know. shitty, but at the same time, don't do these things. Like, but it's one thing to be in the witness protection program and people are like, this is who they are. This is where they're living. This man not just killed a child, but then has proceeded to just victimize children yeah hundreds of children yes. thousands maybe at this point yes uh, but that's that's all about john venables who they didn't even think was the ringleader of the james bulger attack like yet, apparently he's not even the worst but i'm gonna get into um what happened to thompson afterwards so oh yeah thompson's new identity is protected by an unprecedented injunction which applies around the world meaning that even searching for his address could lead to a prison sentence so okay. you're not even allowed to look for this guy he has not reoffended since being released and in 2010 it was reported that he is in a long-term relationship with a man who knows his true identity. Thompson's father left the family home uh, five years before the attack in 1993, and his mother was an alcoholic and had depression. Thompson himself had no history of violence prior to the murder. Police believe that Thompson was the ringleader behind the attack who urged Venables to follow him. Detective Phil Roberts from the local force's serious crime squad received a call in 1993 noticing notifying him of a missing boy. He then said, quote, As far as I'm concerned, that day, 20 years ago, I stared evil in the face. I think Thompson was charged, but they both attacked James. They were a match made in hell, a freak of nature. They went out that day to kill. I truly believe that. And if mm -hmm. they hadn't been caught, I fear that they would have struck again. Pure evil. I will never change my mind about that. End quote. I'm with you, boo-boo. Yeah. yeah. But the fact, that, the fact that they think Thompson was the ringleader... And yet he's never reoffended. He's in a relationship with a man, which was also slightly odd. Um, and you can't even search for this guy's address. And he's never like accidentally revealed his identity like fucking John Venables has. Yeah. It's crazy that th he could be the worst one. Meanwhile, I just spent like. 20 minutes talking about all the times Venables reoffended. Yep. Nuts. Anyway. I just, it's <clears throat> disgusting. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm going to get into some of the pop culture, which there's a lot that's actually surprising. So okay. some British tabloid newspapers claim that the attack on Bulger was inspired by the film Child's Play 3. And oh. 
yeah, they campaigned for the rules on, quote, video nasties, which I guess is, like, horror movies and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so they wanted the rules on those type of movies to be tightened. During the police investigation, it emerged that Child's Play 3 was one of the films that John Venable's father had rented in the months prior to the killing, but it was not established that Venable's had ever watched it. What is interesting is that one scene in the film shows the doll Chucky being splashed with blue paint during a paintball game. And you'll remember that blue paint was one of the things used in the yeah. James Bulger attack. Yeah. A Merseyside detective said, quote, we went through something like 200 titles rented by the Venables family. They were, there were some you or I wouldn't want to see, but nothing, no scene or plot or dialogue where you could put your finger on the freeze button and say that that influenced the boy to go out and commit murder, end quote. Inspector Ray Simpson of Merseyside Police commented, quote, if you're going to link this murder to a film, you might as well link it to the railway children, end quote. Hmm. The Criminal Justice and Public Order Act of 1994 clarified the rules on the availability of certain types of video material to children. Um, in June 27, sorry, June 2007, a computer okay. game based on the television series, one of our favorite, Law and Order. Dun dun. Dun dun. Uh, the game is titled Law and Order Double or Nothing. It was made in 2003. The game was withdrawn from stores in the UK following reports that it contained an image of Bulger. The image in question is the CCTV frame of Bulger being led away by Thompson and Venables. The scene in the game involves a computer-generated detective pointing out the picture, which is meant to represent a fictional child abduction that the player is then asked to investigate. Bulger's family, along with many others, complained that the game was... Um, they complained, and the game was subsequently withdrawn in the UK by its distributor, GSP. The game's developer, Legacy Interactive, released a statement in which it apologized for the image's inclusion in the game. According to the statement, the image's use was um, inadvertent, and it took place, quote, without any knowledge of the crime which occurred in the UK and was minimally publicized in the United States, end quote. Um, this one I found and thought was weird. There's a 2008 um, play by Swedish playwright Nikolas Radstrom, um, and it used interviews and transcripts from the interrogations with the murderers and their families to recreate the story. Um, it's called Monsters, and it opened to mixed reviews at the Arcola Theater in London in May 2009. Hmm. I've never heard anything else about it. Yeah, but I've I would never think that. I would think opening a show about this sensitive topic in the area that it happened is kind of in poor taste. Yes. I wouldn't do it myself. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to talk about detainment. Like we've talked about it a little bit in our other episodes, so I'm not going to explain too much about it, but in January, 2019, the short film detainment was nominated for best live action short film at the 91st Academy Awards. The film is based on transcripts of the police interviews with Thompson and Venables after the arrest. The nomination was criticized by Bulger's mother, who was not consulted before the film's release. Oh. Bulger's mother circulated a petition to have the film removed from nominations. The film's director, her. Vincent Lamb, said that he would not be withdrawing the film, saying, quote, it would defeat the purpose of making the film, end quote. 
The film has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 60% audience score. And like I said, we talk about this controversy more in our True Crime Controversies episode, which I believe is episode 51. So you can hear us talk more about it there. But okay. I believe that um, the movie, like the the movie is like the exact transcripts of the interviews. Oh, wow. I've seen the um, the trailer for it and the kids, they got to play Thompson and Venables look fantastic and like the clips that I've seen look like they're very good actors, but I do agree that like you didn't even yeah you didn't even talk to the family like come on like that's fucked up man yeah you didn't think anyone was gonna see this (laughs) yeah well i mean and clearly like it's like treating it like a sideshow when you don't talk yeah like it's it's clearly you're not doing it to honor the victims if you're not even going to talk to their family yeah exactly it's kind of fucked up i haven't seen it there's, I don't think there's any way to see it besides buying it, and I'm not gonna pay for it. Yeah, for something that I'm that good. Didn't even yeah. <laughs> so, whatevs. Um, there's a 2011 BBC documentary titled John Venables: What Went Wrong. It has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. In 2001, there is a, I think it's a documentary called Unforgiven: The Boys Who Murdered James Bulger. It has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. There's another documentary from 2001 called Eyes of the Detective, and it's about Albert Kirby, who is the retired detective superintendent who headed the investigation on the murder of James Bolger. And the documentary kind of shows him reflecting on his involvement with the case. Okay. In August 2009, Australia's Seven Network used real footage of the abduction to promote its crime drama, City Homicide. The use of the footage was criticized by Bulger's mother, and Seven apologized. On August 24, 2009, co-host on Seven's breakfast show, Sunrise, asked whether the killers were now living in Australia in an apparent tie-in with that week's episode of City Homicide. They answered the questions the next day, relaying the Australian government's denial that the killers had been settled in the country. Hmm. There was a storyline in Holyoaks, which is a UK soap opera, um, set to begin in in December 2009 that was canceled after the makers gave Bulger's mother, Denise Fergus, a special screening. The storyline was to feature Loretta Jones and her friend Chrissy, who had been given new identities before arriving in the village after being convicted of murdering a child at the age of 12. So at least they gave a screening to James Bolger's mother yeah. and she was able to veto it. Yeah. Um, the critical theorist Terry Eagleton introduced his 2010 book on evil with the story of Bolger's murder. The book has a 3.665 on Goodreads and the description says, quote, In a book that ranges from St. Augustine to alcoholism, Thomas Aquinas to Thomas Mann, Shakespeare to the Holocaust, Eagleton investigates the frightful plight of those doomed souls who apparently destroy for no reason. In the process, he poses a set of intriguing questions. Is evil really a kind of nothingness? Why should it appear so glamorous and seductive? Why does goodness mm-hmm. seem so boring? 
Is it really possible for human beings to delight in destruction for no reason at all? End quote. And that's all I got for you. That was a bummer. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with that. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I am yeah. indeed bummed. All these cases with kids are obviously bummers. Yeah. There's just certain things that like, I mean, I love to shit on them, but like, you just don't, don't do that to a kid. Don't do that to an animal. Like, just don't yeah, do kids that and to animals. anybody. Kids and animals especially, but like anybody, preferably, just don't. Yeah. I would ra- I would love I would love I would love for us to never have to make and to have like no material left to make this podcast. Yeah, we should just rename the podcast. Just don't. <laughs> Please stop. Sub- <laughs> Subtitle, how about not? <laughs> By seriously and we're not kidding. <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, sorry about the bummer of a story. You're not um, sorry. But this is a true crime podcast, so... There it this, is. This was true crime. That, yeah, that was true crime, all right. Yeah, as we fizzle out at the end. Uh, no, it's more like a... It's not fizzling out. It's just like, where do you even go after that? Like, besides yeah. therapy. Like, it's just no. such a bummer. It's weird, it's weird to do the plugs at the end. It's weird to do the plugs at the end, and it's also just like... Now you have to sit with this new information. Like, sometimes it's really intriguing and you're like, oh, wow, like, I never would have thought about X, Y, or Z. This is more one of those things where you just, like, I didn't want to know this. I didn't need to know this. It's so fucked up. It's so awful. It's so sad. Yeah. Now I've got to go about the rest of my day. (laughs) Yeah, so instead of doing our long plugs, just go to our social media crime culture pod at gmail.com at twitter crime culture podcast on instagram you can go to our website crime culture podcast.tumblr.com and find all the links there and uh, i'm gonna leave you with um some fun facts oh thank god that have nothing to do with the case because the case was a bummer okay so i just asked google what a fun fact is (laughs) and i love this this is an article that says 200 fun facts that'll actually make your life better. Okay, so you're going to read all 200 now? Nope. I'm going to okay. tell you three of them that I'm choosing at random. All right. Banging your head against the wall for an hour burns 150 calories. I know what I'm doing after this. Yep. Um, snakes can predict can help predict earthquakes. I did know that. Did you? Yeah. It, it's snakes, but like animals in general, but snakes do like a weird thing. I don't remember... Because there's there's a fuck ton of snakes out here in California. And um, shit, it's like they like hide or something or they're all out or it's one or the other. Uh, they can sense a coming earthquake from 75 miles away up to five days before it happens. Mm-hmm. That's all the information it gave me. This one is really fun. 7% of American adults believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Oh, that's upsetting. That that makes me worry for our future. This is and why they have those signs in the women's restroom saying don't flush your tampons. Yep, pretty much. And one more. Oh, yeah. This is what I'm going to leave you with. Okay. If you lift a kangaroo's tail off the ground, it can't <gasps> hop. 
Oh, now I get to keep one as a pet. I know how to get them now. Yep. Oh, I love I love them. Oh, they can they can roundhouse kick me in the face any day. That's that. That makes so, me feel better. I hope it makes good, everybody else feel better. Yes. I hope your Tuesday is super fine. And we will see you next Tuesday. Yes. Okay, thanks. Bye. Mm, bye. 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 No, you hang up first. Ugh. <laughs>